And it certainly is worthy. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians and uh, join me in chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Look at this text of Scripture. Now, we've been uh, on Sunday mornings looking at our yearly theme, and that is the hometown focus, right? And uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we began a little thought on the church and focusing our attention on the church. And uh, we talked a little bit about that, and we introduced the thought, and, and, and we kind of shared God's desire for the church, God's purpose for the church. And so I want to continue that thought with you this morning, and, and we're going to continue it on into the evening service as well. But pick it up for me. Let's read just a little bit of the Bible this morning, beginning in chapter 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians. You ready? The Bible says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, don't miss that. Right? So Paul's, Paul's talking about the church. He's talking about Christ. He's talking about the body of Christ. And he's talking about our body in similarity. He's using our body as a way to explain the body of Christ. He says in verse 13, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. I like this. He says, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Huh? What say ye? No, did your hand ever rebel against your body? Did your foot ever say, ain't going that way? I'm not going to do it. Just not going to do it. He goes on and he kind of adds to it. He says in verse 16, and if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. I'm not, I'm not, if I'm not the eye, I guess I'm not necessary. That's what he's saying here, right? So if the ear says, I'm not the eye, so I must not be necessary, we would say, no, that's not true. I can't hear with my ear. I eat with my eyes, but I can't hear with my, are you with me? He goes on and he says, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Verse 18, but now has God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. Now, don't forget, he's using the physical body as a way to explain the body of Christ. And so God says, just like he's designated your hands to be hands and your feet to be feet, your ears to be ears and your eyes to be eyes, so has he designated you to be a specific part in the body of Christ. So we all have in the body of Christ, if you're saved, a role to play. Are you with me? Let's pick it up. Verse number, where did I leave off? Verse 18, 19? 19. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are ye members, many members, yet but one body. He goes on and says, and, and, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of, ye, of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or maybe unnecessary are necessary. So everybody's important in the body of Christ. 
And those members, in verse 23, and those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which I lack. Now, I could explain that, but it gets rather gory, and so I'll stay away from it. Kind of talking about maybe those inward parts, like the intestines that we don't like to often talk about. But they're necessary. Say amen right there. All you have to do is have a bellyache, and everything stops, right? He says, verse 25, that there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether, whether one, mem- one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Did you ever stub your toe? Huh? Did you ever hit your finger with a hammer? Did you ever have a clogged ear? I have two right now. He says, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. One member beyond all members rejoice with it. Look, verse 27. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Members, may God add a blessing to the reading, studying of his word this morning. We're talking about the church for just a little bit, and I want you to pay attention to some of the early comments. I want you to pay attention to all of it, but especially these early comments. Let me say a few things about the church. Listen to this statement that I'm going to make about the church. Uh, We've come to understand that the church is a community, a community of Christ followers, right? And as Christ followers, our faith is firmly established in the message of the gospel and the Word of God. Are you with me? Do this. I'm with you, Pastor. Let me, let me start again, because I think some of you in the back just catching up. We come to understand that the church is a community of Christ followers, and as Christ followers, we have firmly planted our faith in the gospel of the message and the Word of God. Right? Uh, When we gather, we gather on purpose and with a purpose. This is not some arbitrary meeting this morning. We, we have gathered on purpose. And you say, well, so what's our purpose? Well, we talked about our purpose a week or two ago. Flash it up on the screen, guys. Here's, here's our purpose. We gather to worship, to learn, to serve, and to fellowship. Right? That, that's why we gather. Now, some might say, well, what about evangelism? That's our responsibility. We gather to worship, to learn, to serve, and to fellowship. Our responsibility as a church is to evangelize and disciple. Are you with me? Huh? Uh, that needs to be clear. Because sometimes we, we get the cart before the horse. Huh? And we're not worshiping God. We're, we're, not, we're not learning of Christ. We're not becoming like Christ. But we're trying to go out and make disciples. Jesus said this to his disciples, to those early followers. He's, the first thing he said is, you need to learn of me. You need to be, remember the, 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 the uh, teaching on the Beatitudes? He said this, before you can go out and do something for me, you must first learn of me and be like me. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so we're talking about the church. And so the purpose of the church is to worship, learn, serve, and fellowship. Say it with me, you ready? The purpose of the church is to worship, learn, serve, and fellowship. And let me add something 
to that. Let me add this to that. And I want you to pay attention to this. This is key to where I'm going with this, this message. That's been God's purpose from the very beginning. Do you know before God called the church to be the church in the New Testament, he called another group of people in the Old Testament to assemble? You know who they were? They were the Israelites. They were the Jews. Huh? And you know, when God assembled that nation of Israel, now I'm not saying, I'm not saying, please don't confuse what I'm saying if you're a scholar. I'm not saying the New Testament church is Old Testament Israel. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's continuity, there's flow, there's consistency all throughout the Scriptures. Are you with me? And and what you find is this, God's purpose from the beginning. Uh, In in Exodus chapter number 7, verse number 16, we read the words of Moses as he stands before Pharaoh. You can flip that slide, guys. You can get it off of there because I don't want to distract people with that slide. There you go. Uh, And and here's, here's what God says. I want you to go stand before Pharaoh, and I want you to say these words. And I quote, here's what Moses said to Pharaoh in, in Exodus 7, 16. He said, let my people go so that they might worship me. Did you see that? Huh? This is back book of Exodus. The last I checked, that's the first, uh, second book in the Bible. Way back when God is establishing his people, right? He said, stand before Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh these words, let my people go so that they might go play in the wilderness. No, he said, let my people go so that they might go and say with me, class, worship me, worship me. In the Old Testament, God called Israel out of slavery to worship him. God's people at that point believed God's promises. And then God says this to Moses in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number 10. Do we have that up on the slide? He said this. I'm going I'm to put it in my own words. Assemble the people before me so that they might learn of me and revere me. That's what that verse says. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, I'm going to gather these people together. This is Old Testament. I'm going to gather these people together so that they might learn of me and then worship me. Isn't that what you were talking about on Wednesday night, Bob? That we might, look here, look here, listen to this. So that, one, so that we might, as God's kids, learn enough about him that we become awed by him. Amen. Awed by him. When was the last time we were awed by it? Did you ever get awed by something? Huh? I'm awed by that. That, that uh, uh, aha moment, so to speak. When you learn of him and experience him, you become awed by him. Brother Fenton brought out uh, in, in Psalm, uh, what was that? Psalm what? 147? 147 verse number 4, where, where God counteth the stars and he knows them all by name. And then Bob says there are billions upon billions upon billions of stars. And yet our God knows them all by name. I'm awed by that. I can't wrap my brain around that. Uh, It's hard enough for me to believe or not believe, but understand how he can love me. And yet he does. And so God calls his people together to worship him. But, but, and that's a big word, but. Israel was also sent out by God to serve him. 
Uh, not just to worship him, but to serve him. Uh, listen to the words of Isaiah, Isaiah 9, verse 40, uh, verse 40 uh, chapter 49, verse number 6. Go ahead and flip that, guys, if you would. And he said, it's a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. Look at this. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. You know what the Lord is saying there? Here, 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 here's how it works. God's people in the Old Testament were not only called out to worship God, but they were sent out to serve God. Look at that. They were called out by God to worship, sent out by God to serve. See how they go hand in hand? Fact of the matter is this. Genuine worship will overflow into genuine service. Genuine worship. If we genuinely worship God, if we're owed by Him, if we are affected by Him, it will certainly materialize itself in our service to Him. Are you with me? That's kind of what I want to speak to us about today. Peter writing to the church, Peter writing to the church says this in 1 Peter chapter number uh, 2, verse number 9. Th throw it up here, guys. Do I have it up there? Look at this. He says this, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. There has been a consistent flow from the very beginning when God establishes the nation of Israel and then he turns his attention to the church in the New Testament. It has always been God's desire, pay attention right here, for his people to worship him and serve him. Did you get that? To worship him and serve him. That's our purpose for being. I mean, why do we gather as a church? We gather to worship him. We talked about worship a week or two ago. And we gather to serve him. Now, I, I want to do this. I, wanna, I want you to note this morning this text of Scripture because here's something that I want to I share with you. I think the best way for us as a church to fulfill our purpose is to be a healthy, functioning body of believers. Did you hear those words? Listen to those words again. Healthy, functioning. Healthy, functioning body of believers. Healthy, functioning body of believers. What happens, pay attention here, what happens when one member of your body becomes unhealthy? It doesn't function. Right? And when it doesn't function, you are not a healthy body. Correct? Are you with me? Huh? And so what Paul is trying to say here in this text of Scripture is this, for the body of Christ to be healthy, every member must function. We all need to function. And he kind of goes through this analogy here using the body, our physical bodies, as a way to prove his point. Uh, and so I want, I want to break down this text of Scripture for us this morning because it's interesting. And I want you to notice this. The, 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 the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is described in, in, in two ways in the Bible. First, as his body. We are his body. And then secondly, we are described as a local assembly, right? So it's his body, followers of Christ in community that assemble together for a specific purpose. 
And what is that purpose? Well, he begins to share that purpose in this text of Scripture. So let's begin to look at it. Let's break it down. Look at verse number 13. He says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So from that verse of Scripture, I would say this. The implication there is this. That verse tells us how we get into the body how we become members of the body. Some might say, well, pastor, you're talking about us being the body of Christ. Well, what is our placement? How how are we placed in that body? Are you guys with me? Up there. There you go. Every once in a while, I need to nudge them because they get so into the message, they forgot to push a button, right? So what's our place? How do we get into the body of Christ? That's a good question, isn't it? Right? How does that happen? And, and, and here's, here's, here's what the Bible teaches. It happens at the point of salvation. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, the Bible says that we are placed into the body of Christ uh, immediately. I mean, upon, upon you and I saying, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I, I believe I'm a sinner. I know you're the Savior. I ask you to be my Savior. At that moment in time, the Bible says in verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It's a spiritual thing, right? It's kind of like the wind. All we, we've never seen the wind. We have no idea where the wind comes from. We have no idea where the wind is going. What we see is a result of the wind. Sometimes we can hear it whistling, we hear it blowing, or sometimes we see trees abending or debris uh, scattered about. Why? Because wind came through. It's kind of like the Spirit of God. You can't see Him, right? You don't verbally hear Him, but you can sense His effects, right? And so when you get saved, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you are placed into the body of Christ. It happens simultaneously with salvation. Listen to the Bible. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. The Bible says, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Paul follows that up with Ephesians 5.30 and says this, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. Right? And that might not do a whole lot for you. Because it's not something we can physically see, right? But this is where mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we need to arrive where I am a part of his body. Just like my arm is attached to, you know, my body and my hand attached to my arm and my leg and my knee and my ankle and just like this, all attached, I am a member of his body. Huh? The placement. Uh, how's it happen? Well, it happens by the operation of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I can't explain it other than what you just witnessed a little bit ago. That was a perfect picture for the message this morning. As Tyler was standing there, Brother Will standing there, as they're getting ready to baptize these, how many, six people today? Right? As they're getting ready to baptize, here is what was taking place. Or let me say it this way. Here is what took place. Some time ago, Vince and the Madison family put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they did, the Holy Spirit of Almighty God took them spiritually and baptized them. You know what the word baptism means? Immerse. It means to place into. It means to place into. So when, when Sean got saved... Uh, the Holy Spirit of God 
took him and placed him into the body of Christ, into his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm not sure if you were listening, because sometimes we get caught up in the event. My brother Tyler, in baptizing, each one, he said this. He said, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of life, and so shall you walk. What was he saying is this. What we're doing is this. We're just showing a picture of what happened to you spiritually. You were buried in Christ, and now you're alive in Christ. Huh? And so when you and I got saved, the Holy Spirit of God took us spiritually and baptized us into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Huh? That's why Paul said this in Galatians 2, verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ, which liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Are you with me? That's Bible. And so you and I, we're members of his body. That's what Paul is saying in this text of Scripture. And I, I find that to be interesting. But as you read on, we're not only told that we're placed into his body and we are his body, but now we're told in these next verses we're to discover our function in the body. Look at verse number 14. He says, for the body is not one member, but many. He talks about the foot, right? He talks about the ear, the eye. You know, what's he saying here? He's saying this, as a member of his body, we each have a specific function or role or responsibility, whatever you choose. Are you with me? You seem to be rather dead this morning. Y'all here? Uh, it's a little warm in here. Is it warm? Want me to, want me to warm? You good? All right. Stay with me, man. I'm trying to, trying to give you something that will, I think, help us. And so, uh, Paul is speaking about the human body, but he's implying, you know, a spiritual body. Now, think about your human body. Think about your body for a second. I like what the psalmist said. You know what the psalmist said about the body? He said, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? I, and years and years ago, I did a study on blood flow, how the blood flows throughout your body. You know, as some of you medical people here, you know the routine with that, how it flows. I mean, I forget how many seconds it goes through. And what it does is it, it, it flows through your lungs and picks up oxygen. And then it delivers that oxygen to all the other organs. And then not only, it not only delivers the oxygen, Brian, but it also picks up something called cell ash. And, and so it delivers oxygen and picks up the trash at the same time and then moves it through your. And that's why the Bible says the book, of Levit, the, the book of Leviticus that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Without blood flow. And so our heart is beating so many times per, per, per second, per minute. And when it's beating, it's pumping blood. And that blood is going through all your body, all the many miles of veins. And hello? This, you know, it's distributing oxygen, taking away the trash fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And when you do a, just a brief synopsis of the body, you know, it's comprised of cells and tissues and organs and systems and muscle that turns into fat when you don't exercise it and you eat too much cake. Huh? Isn't it amazing? I think about it. And then, and then you got the visible parts, you got the upper parts and the lower parts. Things we can see. I just, I'm glad I can't see what I can't see because when you look inside, it's kind of frightening. Huh? 
But when you look at the outer stuff, it's amazing. You know, just think about your hands. You know, did you ever give any thought to your hands and how you use them? You know, they say this in a kitchen, a chef's greatest tool in the kitchen are their hands. Their hands. It's amazing what you can do with your hands. You know, did you ever, did you ever break a, a hand or break a thumb or break a finger and you can't use that hand? Well, I'll tell you what, it puts you out of commission. And you begin to appreciate that little pinky. Huh? Or that little pinky toe. Hello? Huh? It doesn't take much to knock us off course because the Bible teaches it's all connected together and every single part is important. Say amen right there. Huh? And so the body made up of all these parts, yet what he says in verse 12 and 18 and verse number 19, here's the big idea. The big idea of this text is this. Every part is important, so you are important to the body of Christ. Every one of us are. We're important to the body of Christ. And I think this, I think it's important for us to discover our role in, in the body, our function, our responsibility. Help me here now. I'm coming around third. Home plate is in sight. I've gotten caught in rundowns. And I'm coming home. And I want you to get this. I want you to understand that you know, now that you're saved, you're a part of his body. And there's something for you to do. There's some, some function for you to fulfill so that his body might be healthy. Because when one member is not functioning, that's not a healthy body. Huh? Here's what I believe. God gave us everything we need, and we need everything he gave us. Someone say, yeah, well, we don't need an appendix. Sure you do. It just so happens you can live without it. But it's not there accidentally. Huh? I mean, it just, just didn't show up. When God created the human body, the appendix wasn't out here somewhere and just say, hey, let's attach ourselves to it. No, God designed it on purpose. And it's got, it's got function. However, you can function without it. Right? That's just one of those parts. But God gave it to us, and we need it. And I still have mine. And look up here. I want to keep it. It's not causing me any problems. You know, I don't often pray for my appendix. I say, oh, God, please bless my appendix. Help it not to get infected. I don't want it to burst. I really need it. No, I don't pray for it like that. But I'm glad I got it. I think of all the things I've, I've missed my mind the most, but I'm losing brain cells all the time. But it's all important. And I want you to understand you're important. God made it that way. Are you with me? And, and, and here's the thing. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but this text, verse 12 on down, flows from a discussion found in verse 1 through 11. Huh? And in verses 1 through 11, the apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, he's correcting some of their faulty notions. Huh? And what he says in verses 1 through 11, in fact, verse number 7. You're right there, right? Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7, he says, But the manifestation or the appearing or the visibility of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. He's talking now about spiritual gifts. And he goes down, you know, the next few verses talking about spiritual gifts. And here's what he says. Every single member of his body has been gifted to perform a certain function. 
Did you get that? That means this, if you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. That's what we sing, right? If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands, stomp your feet, say amen, shout amen. But the fact of the matter is this, if you're truly born again, you've been gifted to perform a specific function. And I don't mean to make you miserable today or upset today, but when you get to heaven one day, you're going to give an account on how you functioned in his body. Do you understand that? Huh? Guaranteed. Listen to this. When churches falter, when churches fail, when churches malfunction, when churches lose influence, when churches lose their power, it's not because of anything other than members are not functioning the way members of that body should function. And that's from the top on down. It's me as well. By the way, I'm not the head. He's the head. Huh? I'm just content to be a part. Right? And I would say, Lord, I hope I'm just a small part because the responsibility is enormous. And when I get to heaven, I want to be able to say to him, I've used what you've given me to the very best of your ability. Because when he gives you the gift, he not only gives you the gift, we're going to look at this tonight, he gives you the ability to use the gift. Help me here. Look here. Every Sunday of my life for the last 40 years, really 36 as a pastor, but for a long time now, I've been teaching and preaching the Word of God. I have. And I'll never forget the very first time, Brother Bob, I'll never forget the very first time when I realized I was called to preach. My pastor asked me if I would do this. He'd ask me if I would go down and teach the children church, which were fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And I thought, how hard could that be? <laughs> and so I'll never forget this. I was using uh, four by six, not three by five, but four by six uh, index cards to write out my message. And I chose deep spiritual messages like Jonah in the whale. Daniel in the lion's den. I figured I can't go wrong with that. I know the story. And I'll never forget my first Sunday. I forget what the lesson was. Donna and I went down to the children's church, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, got behind the whatever I was behind, the podium or whatever it was, a music stand. And in the front row was the pastor's kids and the deacon's kids. <laughs> and the devil said to me, you do know they know more about the Bible than you do, Right. Yeah, and I bought into that because I could not get my thoughts together. I don't know if I had Daniel in the whale and Jonah in the lion's den. I don't know what I was saying, but I was a mess. I thought to myself, this is not going to be good if you called me to do this. My very first message was on a Wednesday night. Never forget this. Back in a long time ago, my pastor was out of town. He asked me to fill the pulpit, and I thought, hey, I'm called to preach. I can do this. And so, my very first message, Nathan, was entitled, Five Things the Devil Doesn't Want You to Do. I promise you, I can show you it. And I had probably about 35 pages of notes. I didn't, but there was a lot of notes. And I had them color-coded. I mean, point number one was highlighted in yellow, point number two in green, point number three in... And I thought, man, alive, he only gave me 40 minutes. This is going to take an hour. 
And I got up on that Wednesday night after prayer time and whatever else time, and I said, good evening, folks. Open your Bibles, too. And, and I said, uh, let's read the Bible. I said, I want to talk to you this morning, uh, this evening, about five things the devil doesn't want you to do. And when I looked at my notes, all those colors ran together. <laughs> and all I saw was a rainbow. I couldn't even see one line. I couldn't see one sentence. And about three minutes later, I was closing in prayer. <laughs> and I asked. I added a sixth point to the message, the devil doesn't want you to preach. <laughs> now, I've been doing it for a long time because I come to understand whatever God gifts you to do, he enables you to do it. When I was in 10th grade, I promise you, this is fact, I failed public speaking. Two-minute uh, public speech class I was supposed to give, the whole, whole class was there. I went to an all-boys high school, so the class was filled with all boys, most of them my friends. Uh, back then, we had big classes, maybe 25 to 40 kids in that class. It was my turn. I was last. My last name begins with a Y. And there were times when I thought, this is great. It wasn't good for lunch, but it was good for public speaking. And I'll never forget, Mr. Young said, okay, Mr. Yanizzi, it's your turn. And I, and I just sat there and he said, Mr. Yanizzi, said, it's your turn. And I wasn't, I wasn't a nerd. I was an athlete. This was beneath me. I wasn't called to preach. And I got up, I walked up front, and I put together, I don't remember what it was, it was supposed to be a two-minute. And I, I opened up the, the piece of paper and I looked at my friends and they were all giving me the who-what, you know. <laughs> They're all laughing, sticking their finger up their nose and falling asleep and giving me all that. And he said, go ahead, Mr. Yanizzi. I said, okay, Mr. Young, and I stood there, and about 30 seconds later, he said, you can go now. I said, oh, okay, Mr. Young, and then finally he said, sit down. I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. By God's grace or by his grace, Mr. Young's grace, he passed me because he didn't want me back in that class. But now every Sunday, you're laughing. You come to listen to me. And for 25, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, I blow, I blow hot air up here. And every once in a while, something really makes sense. And you say, well, at least he did some study this week. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Whatever God gifts you to do, he gives you the ability to do it. So it's not, listen, the problem isn't with ability. It's availability. It's not, it's not, a, I can't, it's you won't. Hello? Because God gives us, and I'll show you that tonight, because up here in this text of Scripture, I, I love it, he talks about this. He says there's diversity of operations, uh, differences of administration, diversity of gifts. What he's saying is, look here, there's different gifts, different abilities, and different ways to get it done. Right? But the idea is this, if he's gifted you, he's empowered you to do it right? Kind of works like this. L l listen to this thought. I, I, I promise you I'm, I'm coming to a close. Not everybody at Open Bible can do everything. By the way, guys, you should have slipped to the second one. The, the, I know if I don't say like our part in the body, they don't get the cue, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, your, your, your part may be this. Now, pay attention to this. Your part might be to show up faithfully each week, just be a faithful attender and encourage others in the body of Christ. That might be your role. Look here, we get to a certain age and we can't do what we used to do. 
But when you get to that certain, pay attention to this, when you get to that certain age where you can't do what you used to do, I'm, I'm hoping that you're able to say, I did it when I could. You know how many seniors I talk to and they say, boy, Pastor, I would, I would love to go out and drive that bus again. I'd love to go out. I just can't. My question to them is, did you when you could? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Strike while the iron's hot. Do what you can do while you have the strength to do it. Because there's coming a day, there's coming a time when you'll no longer have the strength to do it. And you certainly don't want to have regrets that when you had the strength to do it, you didn't do it. That makes sense? Others, I don't know, maybe for others, it might be a little bit more aggressive. And God's, God's gifted you to teach the Word of God. Maybe, maybe God's gifted you to sing, you know, in, in a group or in the choir or as a soloist, as a vocalist. Maybe God's gifted you with musical abilities and you can play instruments. Maybe God's gifted you to serve in some capacity. Right? Are, are you with me? And so maybe, maybe you're, you know, you come to the place now and all I can really do, Pastor, is faithfully attend each week and encourage others. By all means, God bless you. We need you. But then there's others. That's not enough. <laughs> because God's, God's gifted you and given you the responsibility to do more. Are you with me? And my, my prayer is that you would want to do more. Let me close this up. Look in verse number 19. It says, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they members, many members, yet one body. Move on down, if you would, to verse number 22. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which think are less honorable are more. What's he saying there? He's saying this. Our function in the body creates healthiness. And so the last part of this is our placement in his body, our part in his body, our participation in his body. Our participation in his body. We're all participating. We're all trying to accomplish the same goal. We all want the same thing. Are, are you with me? And that is this. We want God's church to be healthy. We want open Bible to be healthy. I said a little bit ago, a New Testament church is a gathering of Christ followers, a community of Christ followers who meet on purpose, and the purpose is to worship, learn, serve, and fellowship. Right? And it takes all of us together, everybody. You say, open Bible's my church. Well, then you need to be a functioning member. Find out what your role is. Maybe it's just to faithfully attend, or maybe it's to join the First Touch Ministry. Say, so what's that? That's our ushers and greeters. Maybe, maybe, you know, you need to join the nursery department where you watch the little boys and girls so that moms and dads can come in and get fed. Maybe you say, oh, Pastor, I, I, maybe I need to join Sunday school ministry and go and help out in the Sunday school classes or the Connect classes. Maybe I, I can sing. I can't sing solos, but I can sing in the choir. I can hold a note. In a bag? <laughs> Nobody listens too careful? Do my part. Maybe you play an instrument. You say, Pastor, I want your job. Meet me after service. <laughs> Gladly. It's not just preaching and teaching and telling people what to do, you know. Hello? 
It's all the other minutiae that goes with it. Yeah, boy, it'd be great if this is all I did all week, just preach and teach, you know? Yeah. Are, are you with me? There's something for everybody to do. We just need to find our part and do it. That's what the church is all about. And we said this in the very beginning of this series. We're trying to focus our attention on the hometown, our families, and our church. And we'll never be the church God wants us to be unless we know what our function in that church is. Amen? And I would pray my goal for us is to find out what our function in the church is. That's biblical perspective. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.